All right, well, hey, how's everybody doing today? Pretty good? We doing well? Good, hey, my name's David. If you don't know me, if you haven't seen or heard me or of me before, uh, I'm on staff with John uh, at Frontline Church, but uh, as part of a zero collective. So there's a number of churches that are all together and it's just a gift to be able to be with you today. It has been a long time since I have been back here with you. So John says COVID, I wonder if it's other reasons. Uh, he just doesn't like me that much, but just kidding. I love John. Uh, it's good to be with you. I'm really excited about what we're talking about today because we're in this series right now called uh, Come Back Stronger. So obviously COVID was a unique experience, I think, for all of us in different ways. Uh, I don't know if anybody in this group or anybody <laughs> in our world would have anticipated that our world would have responded and reacted the way that it did over the last six months. And so here we are, a lot of things changed, a lot of things have adapted, but one thing that we, we wanted to do this series as a collection of churches because what we wanna come back is as stronger. We don't wanna come back the same, we don't wanna come back weaker, we don't wanna come back disconnected or isolated, what we wanna come back in as, is as stronger. And so today, uh, this is one of my, my favorite topics. I mean, like if I can get to like the core and the deepest part of who David is, uh, I get to talk about this topic today and the topic is purpose. And uh, something I feel like God put on my heart years and years and years ago is uh, there is a pandemic in our world, but it's called the purpose pandemic. This was a long, long time before COVID, but the purpose pandemic is this thing that has been sweeping our country and our, our world, our hemisphere, I mean, you name it. It's been sweeping humanity for centuries, and yet oftentimes it goes undetected in the lives of so many people, and maybe that's even true for you. So I remember when I was in college, uh, some of you in college, I can tell here right now, you, you ever have the struggle of like trying to, to feel, or you just feel the pressure of everybody saying, what are you gonna do with the rest of your life? And you have to decide right now and you have to come up with a good plan that gets you through college and pays for your debt and then gets you out and connects you to the job. And, and it, this was my struggle. I wanted purpose so stinking badly. Uh, my struggle though was a lot of times purpose and paycheck don't really go together. Uh, so and I discovered this most when it comes to like internships. I don't know about you guys, uh, think back to college years or maybe think back to today, maybe that's you right now, but uh, here's what I found. It is super easy to find jobs that love to underpay and overwork in the name of purpose. Can I get an amen for that, anybody? Employers, right? Businesses, nonprofits, companies, they love to label it as experience. Like come experience, come learn. This job is full of purpose. We just don't pay you anything for it. So we just wanna take advantage of you and your gifts and your abilities and then, and then employ you into the workforce, but we're gonna hope and pray for the best that God would provide for all the other needs. And so I, I'm gonna be straight with you. When I was in college, I found never ending opportunities just like that, uh, that offer big purpose, but no paycheck. And here's what I've kind of learned as I've gotten older too. Isn't it true that sometimes it becomes very difficult to find purpose in jobs with a paycheck? Now often, I, I've had so many different jobs standing up here, whether it's, uh, I was talking to Joshua earlier today, whether it was as a substitute teacher, whether it was working for a church, whether it was a bus driver, whether it was a garbage man for one week, true story, whether it was working for a baseball field. I mean, it doesn't matter. I've had so many different jobs and here's something that's really been true of a lot of those. I have struggled on a deep level to find purpose in what I'm doing when it comes to my career or what provides a paycheck. So that's what we get to talk about today. There was a, a job that I took one year. Uh, it was in the summer and I began praying this prayer. I said, Lord, I, I wanna give my life to you and, and I really want you to give me purpose in return. Would you, would you take my life? Would you take my time? Would you take my talent and my gifts, my abilities? Would you take those and make something of them that actually has value? Uh, so I started praying this prayer. I said, God, I will say whatever it is you want me to say 
I'll do whatever it is you want me to do. I'll go wherever you want me to go. And God, I will give whatever it is that you want me to give. And I had a number of different opportunities one summer, uh, all internship opportunities, all horribly meager pay, uh, if any pay at all. And I took this one job that promised, uh, here's what they promised. You gotta love it. Christian missions organization. They said, we're not gonna tell you where you're going and we're not gonna tell you what your role is. But if we pick you, we pick you. I went, that sounds pretty in line with my prayer so far, right? I mean, say, do, go, give, God, I'll do whatever. So here's a job that actually gives me the opportunity to do that. So I signed up and here's how I saw it playing out in my head. They had sites all over the United States. They had international sites. And so I pictured myself heading to the beautiful and very needy country of Jamaica, right? I saw myself, you know, with some special drinks, sitting on the beach in Jamaica, learning the Jamaican accent and calling that missions. And I went, this is, this is like my dream and I will find purpose in this. And uh, believe it or not, I got selected for the job, but not for Jamaica. I still remember they said, you have to commit to the job before we tell you. So I commit to the job and I finally, I still remember the day I opened up the email. I was at Grand Valley State University. I opened it up and there's a big picture on the top and it says, you're headed to Navajo. I was like, I'm never even, what is that? What's Navajo? And so you scroll down and you read the email. I was headed to the desert of New Mexico. No beach no water. And here's what I would come to find out. Barely any people, you know, as one who, I mean, you get up here and I'm an extrovert. Okay. I love people. I love being around people. Uh, I'm a little bit miffed why there's six feet between you and like 30 feet between you and me, but I got sent out to the middle of nowhere, uh, in New Mexico. And so I struggled. I really struggled. I wasn't making hardly any money. I was isolated. I was removed. I was separated. And then I got flown from the desert of New Mexico during my summer all the way out to what I call the jungle of West Virginia because it was the opposite in every way. Green everywhere, mosquitoes versus rattlesnakes and scorpions. And I remember being in the basement and I was frustrated. I was frustrated because this purpose that I felt like God had promised and invited me to be a part of, I couldn't find even in a Christian missions context. And so I was struggling and I was tired and I was hungry and I was frustrated with the way things were being run. And I started doubting God's purpose and doubting God's goodness. And I said, God, what is the purpose of my life? If here I am, I'm not doing or furthering anything of significance. And I opened up my Bible and I was in the basement. I still remember this, opened up my Bible to the last place that I had read. And it came up as this, if you're writing this down, write down this verse, this has become my life verse. It says this, this is Ephesians chapter four, verse one. It says, as a prisoner for the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling that you have received. As a prisoner of the Lord, then this is Paul speaking, Paul's writing to the church in Ephesus. He's sitting in prison himself. And he says, I'm not a prisoner of man. I'm not a prisoner of organizations. I'm not a prisoner of circumstance. I'm a prisoner of the Lord. I've actually been bought and purchased at a price. I'm his. So as a prisoner for the Lord, then I'm urging you, those who are not in my circumstances, not in my context, not in my job, I am urging you to live a life that is worthy of the call that you have received. And so I became infatuated with this question of what does a life of purpose look like? How will I know? Fast forward your life right now, fast forward 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, 70 years. I think about this, fast forward to the day that maybe you're laying on your deathbed 
And you know, today is the day that you leave this earth, but the day that you also step into glory and you meet Jesus for the first time. As you look back on your life, what will you say was worthy? What will you say was worth it? And that that second piece that he said, worthy of the calling that you have received. From who? From God. God has a calling on each and every one of our lives. I think part of that calling is this. It's to come together to be a part of the church, his bride, to come together for the sake of communities and context and people who are far from him and be a conduit for them to get to know who he is so that they can live eternally in salvation with Jesus. But then there's this other piece that says, God knows each of us so individually and uniquely to the point that he says, I'm not going to create all of you with the same purpose. I'm going to have a special calling for each of you. Here's my question, and I became obsessed with it in college. How will I figure out what my purpose is for God? That's kind of what I want to talk about today. So we're going to jump into a story. It's going to be in Matthew chapter 8, verse 18. Uh, It starts kind of like this. I love, you know how like sometimes when you show up to church and you're like, hey, something that we have and that we're doing right now is in common with the early church? This is what I love. So we're going to go Matthew chapter 8. Jesus and his disciples are on the beach. Can I get an amen? Thank you. Okay, so Jesus and his disciples, they're on the beach. It's warm. It's sunny. It's nice out. You can hear the waves lapping, maybe the birds chirping. So here they are, kind of like us. We're outside. We're just missing the beach, maybe right over here. They're outside. They're on the beach, and Jesus is teaching and preaching. Jesus is doing miracles. He's healing people, and the crowds are paying attention. So people are coming and flocking to him from far away. They're coming up to him, and they're learning, and they're following, and they're watching. And what Jesus is offering, I think, for the first time that many of them experienced was purpose. What Jesus was offering to them was you can live a life of purpose. And so there's a man that comes up. Here's what happens. Uh, Matthew chapter 8, verse 18. It says, when Jesus saw the crowd around him, he gave orders to cross to the other side of the lake. So Jesus and his disciples are on, they're on the Capernaum side. And on the other side of the lake was people totally different. So the Capernaum side was the Jewish context. The opposite side was the Gentile context. They don't integrate with each other. They don't talk to each other. They don't like each other. They're so drastically different. But it's weird that Jesus looks at his disciples, his followers, guys that had followed and given their lives and said, I'll, I'll follow you anywhere. He said, let's, let's go to the other side. Let's go to the other side. And then here's what happened. Verse 19, then a teacher of the law, a different translation says a scribe. So many of these people opposed Jesus. So we have one from the other side of the aisle shows up and he says this to Jesus. He says, teacher, I will follow you wherever you go. How many of us, man, would just love to say that to Jesus if we, if we could? Just Jesus, right? Jesus, I'll follow you anywhere you go, everywhere. I'll follow you. I'll give my life to you. Would you give me this thing called purpose? I will follow you. And here's what's important to catch about this is this man comes up with an agenda. It's an agenda. And here's how we discover what his agenda is. It's the pronouns he uses. Teacher, what's the next word? I. Teacher, I. Teacher, I. Here's what I'm here for. Here's what I'm looking for, teacher. Uh, Something that was important about this context is teachers of the law, Pharisees, would choose their rabbis that they would learn from. So it was an honor, if you were a rabbi, to be asked to follow you. So this man comes up and basically is saying, Jesus, I'm giving you the honor. I will follow you. I'll follow you wherever you go. 
I'm excited to learn from you. I'm excited to follow you. I'm excited to be a part. I, 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 I. And Jesus says this, and it just confuses the heck out of me. Matthew chapter eight, verse 20. Jesus replied, foxes have dens and birds have nests, but the son of man has no place to lay his head. Would that clear up any confusion for you? I mean, like in our context, it's like saying fishes have tanks and whales have sea world, but I have no place to sleep. I mean, you can just look at him like, come again? Am I miss, honey, am I missing something? What is it? And then it says another person came up, another disciple came up. It says this, verse 21, another disciple said to him, Lord, first let me go and bury my father, which is a reasonable request. I mean, can't we just call it out the way we see it? It's a reason he says, Jesus, please just let me go bury my father. Important piece of this too is we don't actually know if his father had died already. I mean, it could be he's nearing the end of his life. And so he's saying, Jesus, I, I will follow you, but just let me again, I, let me work out some of these circumstances and these things that, that have to do with me. Let me get these in shape, these in check first, then I can follow you. Here's what Jesus says, follow me and let the dead bury their own dead. Aren't we still missing something here? I mean, I, it feels like as I read this, Jesus, why aren't you excited about two people, one of them who's maybe our enemy right now, who are saying, I'm willing to follow you, I'm willing to give for you, I'm willing, I'm willing to sacrifice to go wherever you want me to go, I'm willing to go because I'm looking for this thing called purpose. And it says, as Jesus says, here's a weird question, tongue twister, try to think about this one with your brain. And as they're still thinking, it's like he got in the boat and he starts pushing off and he's already out of the swim area But by the time they realize what's going on. Why would Jesus do that? Do you ever feel like, you go before the Lord and you say, God, the, the one thing that I really, really want with my life is I want it to matter. I want purpose. And then you feel like you either don't get a response or you get a confusing response or you feel like God isn't excited about your willingness asking for purpose. That's been my life, a lot of my life. Why didn't these guys just get in the boat? I've wrestled with this. I've thought about this. Why didn't they just say, okay, and jump in the boat and they followed him. And, and I mean, if you read the next couple verses, the other side confirms every stereotype and fear and hesitation that these people would have had to going to the other side. I mean, it, he encounters a man that's just crazy out of his mind, cutting himself, screaming, yelling. I mean, it just out of his mind. And they all would have said, this is why I didn't want to go but they don't know that's coming. They just assume that's coming. And so Jesus, in his interaction with them, it's as if he pushes them because he sees something different than maybe what we can even see in ourselves. The first man comes in, it's like he overpromises. He says, Jesus, I'll follow you anywhere you wanna go. Jesus says, really? I got no place I'm gonna land. I'm not gonna arrive at a place of comfort or stability. And so this is my life. If you wanna follow me, that's gonna be your life. And as far as we can tell, he never got in the boat. The second man comes in and he under promises. He said, I'm willing to follow you if my conditions are correct. Just let me get all of this stuff situated first. Let me get it in check and then I'll follow you. And, and Jesus doesn't wait around for him. What does it mean to have a life of purpose? What does it mean to have a life of purpose that costs something? 
You know, I think a lot of times, I just think this is a true statement. I think a lot of us, as we live life, we often think that purpose means painless, but it doesn't. In fact, oftentimes to, to find purpose in life, to find our calling, to discover it, it's actually the opposite. I think that it's through suffering, through trials, through sacrifice, and through hardship that we ultimately find this purpose that God intends to gift us with. But as, as is demonstrated with these two followers of Jesus who come up, sometimes it is so extraordinarily costly that we are not willing to pay the price to achieve it. I just want to talk for a second today and just say, why? What do you think stopped these men from getting in the boat with Jesus to embark on a life of purpose? Put yourself in, in their shoes or their sandals, should we say. They're on the beach. They're talking to Jesus. Jesus says, here you go. I'm getting in the boat. It's now or never. What would you say if Jesus was here right now? He was up here. He was speaking and he said, hey, we're heading to Detroit or Detroit, as uh, people from Michigan say. I'm from Chicago. We're heading to Detroit. Would you get in the bus? He says, we're heading to Flint. We're heading to Canada. Would you get in the bus? What if he says we're heading to downtown Grand Rapids? What are the things that start going through your mind of, of saying, I would, but I can't. I mean, what time are we going to be back tomorrow? My son's got nap time. Are we going to stop for lunch on the way? Because, I mean, you know, it's right around that time. Maybe we can grab lunch quick. And, and maybe some family members need me tomorrow. I have this thing at work that's due. What is it that starts running through our minds? And here's the thing. I think for us, whatever starts running through our minds is probably the exact same kind of stuff that ran through these guys' minds there. It's just the difference is this. They just allowed it to stop them. They just allowed it to railroad them into and these questions of provision, these questions of destination, these questions that, that they start thinking that the world says, but what about this? But what about this? What about, that? what about your paycheck? What about your mortgage? What about your family? What about your job? What about your 401k? What about your plans and your retirement? Do you hear the, the common pronoun over and over and over? What about, what about my stuff? And I think if we're not careful, we find ourselves in the exact same position as these two gentlemen that came up to Jesus. I have a best friend, his name's Patrick, and uh, last weekend he was hanging out at our house and he blew us off on Saturday. Uh, he, he's one of those, I'd say it to his face too, he's one of those uh, like the social hierarchy people. You know what I'm talking about? Like I'll commit to you until something better comes along and then I forget who you are. Do you know those people? So this is why I love him. I love him to death, but he was gonna hang out with us and then he didn't hang out. So I texted him, say, what the heck? And he said, oh yeah, better invitation. I've been on a boat all day. And I go, I have to admit, I'd probably do the same thing. So the next day, it's Sunday last week, he and I are talking. I said, tell me about the group that you hung out with. I've never heard of these people. I've never met these people before. And so he starts telling me about the group of people on his boat, this hodgepodge group of people in their 30s and 40s, some of them single, some of them married, uh, but all of them, here's what they have in common. They were wildly successful. Uh, all of these people had managed to uh, accumulate either great wealth or position or had unbelievable experience. One of them, uh, he was a Navy SEAL. I, I don't know anything about Navy SEALs other than I, I don't wanna be on the other side of one. I, I like being on their side and their team. And so he's telling me about this Navy SEAL. 
and and telling me like you can tell he he was in some hairy stuff but he, he wouldn't talk about it and and then he's he's still involved in some stuff now that he, he can't really talk about but but here's what caught my attention is he's describing this former navy seal he says the navy seal said he's arrived at the point in his life where the experience and the decisions that he's made have the ability to do one of two things they can either fuel a perpetual unneeding not needed like it produced income it produced experience it produced opportunities he could retire in the at the early age of 30 something not work another day in his life or he can take that and take the tools take the resources take the income take and channel it in a different direction to bring good and hope and peace and love for other people so this is what he did there's a, a an organization in our world called the a21 campaign and so those that are in, uh, held in bondage in slavery and trafficking all over the world, uh, what the A21 campaign does is they send in people to go rescue children and particularly women who are held in bondage all over the world. So here's what his application looked like. I, I wrote some of these down. Uh, what would you think if you help run an organization and you see this application with a couple of these things on there, what would you think when you see it? Hey, I'm a former Navy SEAL. I love the Lord and I wanna serve him with my entire life. I'm willing to put myself in harm's way to rescue these people. And I will even cover the cost to do so. That if funding is a miss, or if funding is like a, a hurdle, I'll pay for it. And not just for me, but for my entire team. No payment required, but I'm ready, able and willing to be sent for the sake of others in need. What would you do? That's, that's a pretty easy decision. Can we all agree on that one? Write that down, hire him, okay? Navy SEAL, good experience, willing to pay for it. Why, let's, let's ask this question. Why would you do that if you were him? If you've achieved the point in your life that I would argue many of us actually set our sights on, Many of us look to, many of us say, I wanna to get to the point where I no longer have to work, where I can do what I want, where I can, I can have the ability, have the availability, have the flexibility to do what God lays out before me. I can finally say yes when I hit X, Y, Z. Why would we give that up for the sake of somebody we don't even know? For purpose, for purpose. What are you waiting for? I remember being, when I gave my life to the Lord, I remember being in a, a giant room with 45,000 people. A pastor preached a message and he said, there's an invitation on the table and the invitation is for purpose, not just here in this world, but for eternity. Are you interested? I said, good grief, it's what I've been waiting for my entire life. Friends, I gotta tell you, there is an invitation on the table for purpose. And it's not nearly as complex as it may seem, but it's extraordinarily significant and it's available to you, but it's only available through the person of Jesus. I brought along this PVC pipe, not because I carry it around day to day, but because I thought it'd be a good illustration for today. Uh, I occasionally do house projects. Um, do I know what I'm doing most of the time? No, not even close. I, there's a lot of YouTube and Google involved. Uh, but it's kind of how you learn, right? It's how I learned. And so uh, I'm doing a plumbing project right now. And so I had this elbow at home. That's what this is called. One of you asked. I don't even know what that's called. This is called an elbow. Like you're, it's an elbow. So 
what this is used for, uh, this pipe or this elbow, this PVC pipe, actually, it, what is its purpose right now, just by itself? What, what is its purpose? Can I be straight with you? It doesn't do anything right now. I mean, what? You're going to put it behind the wheel of your car so it doesn't roll away? It won't work. You know, are you going to sit on it? It's going to be horribly uncomfortable. You're going to put something in it? It's going to fall out the other side. I mean, what, what value does this actually offer? You know, if we think long enough for some of you right brain centered people, I mean, you could probably think of something more creative, artistic, right? You could hang it somewhere. I don't think so. I think it's purposeless. Here's the thing. This, this pipe, this elbow, this PVC pipe actually achieves its purpose when it only serves as a conduit for something else. Let me say that again. This achieves its purpose only when it serves as a conduit for something else. So I want you to think about, you know, at home. Let's say this is under your toilet. Stuff comes in, stuff goes out a different direction. Man, I love elbows now, don't I? Indoor plumbing. Let's think about it a different way. What about, what about uh, water to a community in Central America that does not have running water? And so you're able to put this, hook this up to a well that the water comes up in it. And so you add water and this now changes the direction of the water that's coming through for the purposes of bringing water to a group of people that didn't previously have it. Let's change it again. What if it's watering your crops? You take it from the source and then it disperses where it needs to go. You take something that needs to be removed and you direct it somewhere else. This, this elbow has extraordinary purpose as long as it's attached to something else and serves as a conduit for which is moving through it. Here's what I want to ask. Are you willing to be the conduit in your life for God? Because this is what I truly believe. Let's say God's up here. God, he comes in and what God provides, maybe that's a paycheck. Maybe that's gifts. Maybe that's talents. Maybe that's time. Maybe that's friendship. Maybe that's personality. Whatever it is, who God created you to be. God said, I'm going to give you and it's going to come in through the top. But your purpose is not defined by what you can retain. Catch that? Your purpose is not defined by what you can retain. I could screw a cap on the back here. And what is this purpose? Even if it has stuff flowing through it, what is the purpose if it is capped? Can I tell you? You already know. Nothing. Nothing. What good is a pipe that leads to nowhere? But if you take the cap off and you're willing to share what comes your way, you're willing to give what comes your way, you're willing to identify needs and gaps and hurdles and struggles, you're willing to find brokenness elsewhere and say, I'm willing to be a conduit for which God can actually use me. God can gift me. God can send me. Whatever it is that comes in the top, if I'm willing to share on the outside, God says, this is how you find purpose in me. But here's our struggle. I'm in charge when I throw that cap on. Agreed? It's okay if you don't agree, it's still true. It's safer to put the cap on. And you say, well, what, what if I put a reducer on it? <laughs> Those of you that I want to talk about, reducer, it reduces. I know, crazy. So what if you put a reducer on it and you say, well, I, I want to keep most of what comes in, but I want to limit what goes out. Is it as, as effective as it could be? You know, in some cases, depending on the pressure, I know I'm getting plumbing technical here, depending on the pressure, if you put a reducer on here, you'll blow it out. And then it's totally broken. You know, most of us live our lives 
like this. I say, what about my retirement? What about my needs? What about my family? What about what I want? What about where I want to go? What about my purpose, God? Andy Stanley, he's a pastor down in Georgia. He, he says this. He says, purpose has a catch. He says, purpose has a catch. We can either be the means or the end, but we can't be both. When we're the means, when, when we're the, the bypass, when we're, when we're the elbow, we actually achieve purpose because it's for the sake of someone else. But as soon as we become the end, the benefactor, the receiver of our own purpose, we actually lose purpose altogether. Here's what I've learned and continue to learn is that the truest version of purpose that comes from following Jesus is as open as we can be. And here's the fun part. Paul says, Ephesians 4.1, as a prisoner for the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling that you have received. What we talked about right at the beginning is we all also receive an individual calling of which we can help decide. God gives us the ability to help decide what direction we put our stuff, our money, our time, our paychecks. God says, I'm going to bless you with an intake and give you the opportunity to help decide, to help discover, to help meet needs of others around you in your context. God is such a good God. And I think, how cool is it that God actually invites us to help determine the purpose of our lives? That it's not, it's not just in what we can do, what we can produce, what we can get. It's not just that. It's the fact that we can live our lives for the sake of other people. God promises us what Jesus promises. He says, that is how you truly discover purpose in my kingdom. I think there's a myth we all believe, and it's this. Someday I can afford to have purpose. Someday I can afford it. Someday when I earn enough, someday when I'm experienced enough, Someday when I'm confident enough, someday when my circumstances around me have changed, and here is the truth that you just need to hear, there is a purpose pandemic in our world that is far greater than COVID-19 and far more damaging than COVID-19, and it's people living without purpose from God. It doesn't take a lot of people to make a huge difference in the kingdom. It takes just a couple people Throughout scripture, oftentimes it just took one, just took one that said, I'm willing, God. I'm willing to look at my neighbor next door and to be a conduit of purpose. I'm willing to look at the cubicle across from me. I'm willing to look at the community around me. I'm willing to look at my church. I'm willing to look at the needs around me and the students and the classmates, professors. I'm willing to look and to sacrifice and to open the cap so that God, whatever it is you bless me with, whatever it is you trust me with, I will use it for the sake of others knowing you. I truly believe that someday if you get to the end of your life and you have the luxury of looking back on your life, I hope and I can promise you that the things you will be most grateful for, the things that you say will have provided most purpose for you, won't be the things that you received or that you were the end, but in which God invited you to be the purpose, you to be the means, you to be the conduit for others and especially for the kingdom of God. So I just want to ask, just for us right here, right now, 
purpose isn't tomorrow, purpose isn't next week or next year or in retirement, purpose actually starts today. What will change in your life today? Maybe it's about your income. You know, paychecks is a funny thing. It can either be the greatest hurdle to discovering purpose in your life or it can be the greatest tool in accomplishing it. What does God wanna do with your finances today Decisions that you make today, decisions with your bank account, decisions with your giving, decisions with your general. What does God want to do and accomplish through you today from your finances? What about from your family? What about from your gifts, your talents, your experiences? Do you see the needs around you? And if not, are you willing to go look for them to be a conduit of what God wants to do and accomplish in the world? There is no greater purpose we can discover than following Jesus with our lives in their entirety. So I want to go back. I want to read that one last time. This is Ephesians 4, verse 1, and it says this, As a prisoner for the Lord, then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling that you have received. We have a choice. We have a decision. We have the ability to decide the direction of which what God gives us, how it is used and spent and cultivated and shared with the world around us. There's a huge need. You know, one thing I have appreciated about COVID is that it's brought up a lot of what was in the depths and hidden in so many people. It brought it up and brought it to light. And so I think we have opportunities right now as the church to speak words of encouragement and hope of our Savior in Jesus Christ. I think it's brought up needs that have existed all over the world, missions organizations. I mean, if you wanna talk purpose, there's, there's few things that provide more purpose than when I work, someone else eats. Or when I work, someone else gets to sleep indoors. Or when I work, someone else gets medication that they need. There are so many needs in our community, in our context, and around the world that God is inviting us as a church to lean into and to be a part of it. So when the world screams paycheck, I think God's invitation for us is purpose. So can I pray for us today just as we go into one last song here? I'll invite the band to come back up. Father, thank you for this church. Thank you for these people here. Thank you for the invitation and uh, the calling that you have given uh, both this church corporately here for this community here in Byron Center, but also, Father, for the individual calling that you have extended each and every one of us. Father, don't let us listen to the enemy's lies that said purpose is only found in retirement or purpose is only found in ministry or purpose is only found in anything that we don't have. Father, you invite us to find and discover purpose in our contexts today to use the people around us that you've brought us as a conduit for them. Father, the needs in our community or the neighbors, the not just physical needs, not just financial needs, but the spiritual needs that exist around us. Father, use us in the roles that we're already in. Use us with the relationships that we already have. Use us with the income that we already receive. Father, use us for the purposes and for the sake of your kingdom. Father, you remind us that Jesus was the conduit of which we received the gift of salvation through you, and you've invited us to be the same way. Father, help us live a life of purpose, not starting tomorrow, but today. Lord, we love you. 
And we all pray this in the precious and powerful name of Jesus. And everybody said together, amen.